This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and also find the Facebook group at uh, on Facebook by typing in Obsessive Viewer Podcast in the group's search or whatever. Um, i got to think of a cleaner way to do that. <laughs> um, uh, first off, uh, if you like what you hear and want to support the podcast, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes' search results. And if you want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the donate button on obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer where you can choose from many different reward tiers, including the popular uh, $5 pledge of making us say anything, which would basically you would tell us a sentence to say on the air that we will say no matter what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so that you can have some fun with that. <laughs> yeah, you're really good. Yeah. Um, any donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so we can continue to provide you with weekly movie and TV podcast episodes. And finally, uh, tickets are now on sale for Shocktober in Irvington 3. Uh, Shocktober in Irvington is a one-night event screening of short horror films from local filmmakers here in Indianapolis at the Irving Theater. Um, all the proceeds go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. It's a great, it's a great night that we started uh, three years ago, and we're really excited to bring it back uh, once again to the great community of Irvington. And uh, we're going to be raffling off a lot of great prizes throughout the night, screening some great short films, and interviewing the filmmakers in front of the audience. And it's going to be it's going to be a blast. And uh, as a special bonus for listeners of the podcast, you can get one dollar off the price of admission when you use the promo code Podcast One when you. Uh, check out when you buy online at shocktoberandirvington.com. So, having said all of that, Tiny, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing today very well. Great. That was a weird... <laughs> weird yeah, it was. It's like I wasn't going to call attention to it, but <laughs> that's uh, that's good. I'm doing today very well, too. <laughs> <laughs> Been busy and everything, but uh, I was able to... <laughs> I was able to run in and see Snowden at like the last possible minute yeah. for this review. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it with you. Um, which, yeah, that's our topic for the week, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So today we're going to be reviewing Snowden, uh, the latest film from Oliver Stone starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Edward Snowden. And also co-starring uh, Zachary Quinto, Reese Ifans. Am I pronouncing his name Reese, right? Reese Ifans. Reese Ifans. I know it's Reese. Yeah, Reese Ifans. Nicholas Cage and also Shailene Woodley. Um, also Tom Wilkinson, Zachary Quinto, Melissa Leo. Yep. Um, so anyway, this movie. Uh, just I'm just going to go ahead and read the plot description from IMDb, and then we'll go right into the review. So. 
The plot description in Corner IMDb is the NSA's illegal surveillance techniques are leaked to the public by one of the agency's employees, Edward Snowden, in the form of thousands of classified documents distributed to the press. And this movie is a uh, a dramatization of the events that transpired between 2004 and 2013 um, and re- had worldwide headlines and was a huge, huge deal. Um, so Tiny... Um, just in broad terms, Tiny, how did you feel about how do you feel about Oliver Stone? Um, I've said before he's hit or miss for me. I, mm-hmm. I feel like every time we get something like JFK mm-hmm. or Platoon, uh, we get something like um, uh, Natural Born Killers or something really goofy or weird. Uh, I even feel like his documentaries that he's done are kind of too, there's a little bit too much Oliver Stone in there. Uh, if you've ever, if you've ever seen the guy in an interview or listened to him in an interview, he's mm-hmm. a very, very eccentric and erratically kind of attitude kind of person. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's an odd guy. Right. Um, and, and sometimes it's good when an artist is eccentric or weird because you get really amazing things, which he's done some really great movies. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's you got to take the good with the bad or whatever and it's sometimes eccentricity leads to good art so um i i have mixed feelings on oliver stone but ultimately it piques my interest when i see that he's directing a movie or he's making another movie because mm-hmm. i'm like well is this going to be a really good one or is this going to be a really bad one um because i think his really good ones are really good and it's mm-hmm. like i think i think his style stands alone from and is uh stands alone from other directors and I think I think you can really pick out and experience his style and, and what he's trying to convey uh when he's really, you know, running on all eight cylinders and really mm-hmm. making a good movie. So I, I appreciate his good stuff and uh I'm disappointed when he comes out with bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the filmmakers that you're not disappointed when they come out with bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, very um, much. That's why that's why Snowden was kind of on my um in our last episode was kind mm-hmm. of on my uh, uh, honorable mentions. Sure. Which, in retrospect, I probably I knew I was going to like this movie. I mm-hmm. probably should just had it be one of my anticipated movies yeah. for the rest of the year. But, but that's hindsight. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, so I lobbied pretty heavily to review Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah. But that's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. So you know, I don't really have that much of. Um, a history with Oliver Stone that much. Uh, I think the most recent or the, the only thing of note, well, I don't know if I'll, I'd say that. Um, what jumps to mind in, in regards with, uh, Oliver Stone's style or, or what I've seen of his is, uh, oddly enough, W. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I kind of had this thought while watching, um, uh, Snowden that it's kind of like, At one point in my life, when I I was younger, I kind of got irritated when a filmmaker would inject so much of their political siding into into a project. Right. And uh, and and I thought W was okay. I I I don't really have fond memories of it. I haven't really thought about it since I saw it. I think that was one of those movies that I saw kind of in the middle of the night and I was half asleep. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I kind of remember feeling like it was a little bit. Not cartoonish, not not cartoonish, but kind of like just clearly like um 
I don't know. I can't say with any, I can't say with any confidence how I felt about it because I don't really remember it that well. But I just felt like it just didn't really have a lasting effect on me. Mm-hmm. So Snowden, I went in thinking like, okay, well, I don't really care at this point about personal politics or anything. I've, I've made my piece. Like I've, I've in the past, I've been irked when a movie is injected with so much of someone's political leanings when they're, when they're making it. But now I'm at a point where it's like, well, no shit, Matt. Um, <laughs> it's an artist conveying their, their sentiments or their statements about it. Of course, it's going to be steeped in their political leanings. It's going to be steeped in their political beliefs. They're going to be, a majority of the movie is going to be about how they feel about the subject. That's just how art works. <laughs> and that's politics too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then except a lot of people screaming at each other and nothing ever gets done. Right. Which is why I love movies and TV <laughs> instead of <laughs> politics. But anyway, I'm the problem with America, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I went into Snowden, not really, I'm not a political guy. I'm not too interested in politics. I like, I, pay attention here and there but it's just it's not something that really piques my interest the way that you know film and television do so i came at it from the perspective of someone who wasn't terribly familiar with the with the ins and outs of the snowden controversy i knew i knew what happened and i know and i knew i knew like the cliff notes of everything but i didn't know like specifics and i also know that i really really like joseph gordon levitt so mm-hmm. I was primed to pretty much enjoy this movie. So yeah, that's where I'm coming from. With that. That's a long winded way of saying, um, in regard, regarding Oliver Stone, I'm not terribly, um, uh, inundated with it, with his work where I, someone, one of our listeners suggested we do, um, an Oliver Stone retrospective. Yeah. Which would have been, which would be cool. Yeah. Honestly, I'd be um, game for that. Yeah. We need to figure out how to do a retrospective, uh, cause our, yeah. our time is so limited these days. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll work it out. Yeah. Um, but I, we owe our audience, uh, David Fincher retrospective first and foremost. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So, so tiny, how'd you feel about Snowden? I really, really liked it. Nice. <laughs> I, I, again, I was hesitating because of Oliver Stone to really be excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in retrospect, I should, I shouldn't have been, uh, hesitant because I, I was very in, I'm very intrigued by the real life story of what happened to Edward Snowden and what he did. I think it's really mm-hmm. fascinating at any time where, um, you have kind of blurred lines of right and wrong. Like what mm-hmm. some people consider this really wrong, some people consider it very right. Um, that's that's always an interesting debate to me, and it's it's not so much about whether or not it emphatically is right or wrong. It's about how different people feel about it, and and it's I find that very interesting when there's genuinely a gray area mm-hmm. on something, and and this this is certainly one of those scenarios. Um, so I should have known from the get-go that I was really going to like this movie, but uh, I, I thought it would be hard to do because it's such a recent event. You're talking about everyone who's involved in this controversy is still around, and a lot mm-hmm. of people, a lot of these people, still have power. Um, so I, I thought it was, I thought it was almost a little bit untimely, um, which you could say the same thing about a lot of his movies. Uh, w, for example. World um, Trade Center. World Trade Center, yeah. Uh, w came out while George W. Bush was still in office. Which right. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, so I I think Oliver Stone struggles with timing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but despite that, I think this movie really, really worked. Um, I feel like we got a really great 
uh, feel for all the characters. Mm-hmm. The timeline was laid out really well. It had some really nice um, unlinear, unlinear structuring to it, if you will. Um, nonlinear. Nonlinear, sorry. Yeah, uh, some nonlinear structure to it. And uh, it, it was surprisingly visual for a movie that's kind of mostly about people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think on a, many different levels, I think it was a really successful movie. Nice. Um, you know, I'll, I'll agree to quite a bit of that. I had some, I had some irks about the movie, but mm-hmm. overall I, I was really happy to see how well the information was conveyed in, in the movie. It's very much a, it's a very watchable film mm-hmm. and it's something that I remember, um, I remember a while ago, um, I believe for potpourri one, one in one episode, I for, Forgive me, I don't remember what episode it was, but um, I remember for Potpourri you brought up the documentary Citizen Four. Yes, which, from my understanding, is essentially the um, uh, essentially the the a documentary about the uh, the meeting in the hotel room that's depicted in the movie. Yeah, it's it was it was yeah, like the character of Melissa Melissa Leo is a real person. She's the filmmaker. She's the filmmaker who made that documentary, mm-hmm. and it's. Basically, basically, she. It, it's I. I remember saying that I liked the documentary so much mm-hmm. because we were watching a crime being committed. Oh, nice! But That's it was right. it was someone sitting there telling the truth and committing a crime at the same time. Okay, I thought that was a really cool juxtaposition. Nice, and you know, guys, you can listen to Tiny talk about that in episode ninety six of the podcast. Nice, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I really. I really liked the way that all of the information was, was divulged to us. And like you said, it's, it's the way that it has the nonlinear, uh, structure and it has everything like that, that builds suspense in a movie that like tiny, like what you said is a lot about a lot of people talking mm-hmm. and a lot of, uh, big accusations and a lot of big, uh, depictions of things that are like shocking right. <laughs> and, uh, and horrifying. Um, depending on where you are on the, uh, where you land on this, on this particular issue. Mm-hmm. But, um, the implications of a lot of the things that Snowden is, is mentioning throughout the movie and, and you get a sense of the toll that it takes on him, both, both physically, mentally, and just emotionally. Um, and I felt like that was conveyed really well and I really appreciated it for that. Um, However, like, and maybe this is just me. Maybe this is me seeing it at 9.50 at night, but I don't think that's the case. Um, I looked at my watch, and it was like 11.30, and I was like, I still have another hour of this. It's like... Really? Yeah, it was just like, I just felt like, man, just this, it's just kind of... Maybe it was just in that part, it kind of dragged a little bit, but I just felt like... I felt like I I wanted it to ramp up a little bit more to to lead to you know the big moments that that I was ex- anticipating. It was just kind of it meandered a little bit in the middle there. You know, I think I I agree with that to an extent. I feel like it mm-hmm. could have used a tiny bit of editing. I think it should have been a little a little bit under two hours. Um, for me, it was kind of the sections where uh we got the conflict between Edward Snowden and his love interest throughout the movie. Yeah, and and I. I appreciated that because I know in real life, like Edward Snowden is really in love with that girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think, I think it's, it was an important part of what makes Edward Snowden, Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. And so like he, you know, Alderson felt ob- obligated to leave that in the movie. And I think it was a good character piece mm-hmm. to experience. And I bought it. I thought they had good chemistry, a lot of good things about that. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to get back to the, 
the focus of what this story really needs to be about. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's about the whole, uh, uh, it's about the whole surveillance community, if you will, and the intelligence right. community and the flaws in that, that design and stuff like that. That's what the movie's supposed to be about. Um, but from a, you know, a creative standpoint, you have to be true to your characters. So I, I, I think it, it affected the flow just a little bit mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a negative way. Um, but I can't, I can't really hold it too much against uh, the filmmakers and everyone involved. Sure. And, and you know, it's funny. I really, it, you, you bring up uh, um, Shailene Woodley's character, Lindsay mm-hmm. in the movie. And it's funny because had, okay. So, I felt like that whole relationship could have been kind of could have been explored a little more. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, like I appreciated the things that they did with it or, or like the, how they told that story, that part of the story uh, for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of conflict there because he is being torn, torn in so many different directions. He can't say anything to her. There's a lot of conflict there, but to be honest, I, you could have sat me down after the movie and said, hey, the character of Lindsay was mostly fabricated for this movie for dramatic effect. And I would have been like, oh, oh, I, I can totally see that. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's hmm. that's a shame because, you know, she's a real person. <laughs> right, right. Um, but that's not to say that they didn't have chemistry. I thought that they, I mean, they they were, uh, their scenes together were really strong. There's um one in particular where they get into a, a fight or an argument over something um it's, it's actually funny it in, it involves um covering up the the webcam on the on the laptops mm-hmm. which about a month or so ago or a few months ago or a couple months ago I don't know when it was but I mentioned on the podcast that I recently uh just taped a piece of paper over my webcam cuz I watch or I listen to the Simpsons while I sleep that's a weird sentence. Yeah. Um, but I leave my laptop open cause I watch it on my laptop and, uh, and just, I'm just thinking like someone could just turn it on and watch me sleep. Yeah. Uh, which is disturbing, but it's funny because in the movie, uh, he puts band-aids over, over the, uh, the thing. And I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, that's such a better way to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I felt like an idiot that I didn't think of that. Plus it's kind of, uh, but, uh, it's kind of uh, ironic imagery, if you will, a mm-hmm. band aid, putting a band aid on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> symbolism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> symbology. Yeah. I didn't even think. It, I don't know why they didn't. I was so impressed that that, that was such an effective <laughs> answer to that. Um, I don't know if that was an inten- intentional or if he actually did that in real life. Now that actually, you say it, I would, I wouldn't. I think that that could be. Yeah, yeah, it could have just been for dramatic effect. But yeah, who knows? But there's a scene where they're where they're kind of arguing over it they're getting into a bit of a, an argument over it and like that's such that's such a really good scene for me because they're both um they're it, the movie is exploring the deeper meanings of of the messages of the movie and and the implications of what's going on while also giving some dramatic meat to their relationship and there's some things revealed in it that like in that scene that are alarming alarming and i kind of wish that that as a, as a relationship as i think that i would have i would have preferred for that kind of a relationship part of that part of the movie to be explored more because i thought that that was really good for dramatic effect and and i wish that there was more to that but they're kind of it was kind of scant throughout it um but yeah and just the way that she was incorporated i kind of felt 
a little bit bad because for Shailene Woodley, because it kind of felt like she wasn't given all that much to do. She was just kind of uh, like angry and frustrated that he couldn't say anything. And it, it was just, I kind of wish that it's something that irks me when there's a character who is um, like the love interest of a main character who kind of just isn't as fully developed or fully formed for, for my account. So I kind of wish that there was a little bit more care taken for the relationship. Um, yeah. yeah, that's true. And they, they did kind of spin it. They, they attempted to spin it as her being somewhat instrumental in his, um, in Edward Snowden's evolution as a political person mm-hmm. about how he kind of changed some of his opinions. Yeah. And, and I, and I appreciated that a great deal. I, I thought that that was pretty cool. Um, I just wish that they would have shown that instead of told us it. Me too. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There wasn't there wasn't enough of that. I, I feel like his character does go through a philosophical and political evolution throughout the mm-hmm. extent of the timeline of the of the film, um, and I I felt like that was a little bit underexplored. I, mm-hmm. I, at, at the beginning of the movie, he thinks one way and he's very very serious about that and set in his ways, and by the end, he kind of changes his. He really changes his uh, <laughs> his uh, leanings and how he thinks about things, and I I feel like I feel like that that inspiration was not externalized very well by his character. Right. And clearly, he's a very shy person. He's not mm-hmm. he's not extroverted. He's kind of a typical IT techie kind of guy, pretty pretty introverted and quiet and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when you go through something like that, it's not it's not a it's not a peaceful um, it's not a peaceful change. You you go through some. You go through go through some things and you 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 shed some emotions and stuff like that. Right. I feel like we should have gotten a little bit more of that from the character. Um, I was okay with what we got, but yeah, I think I think that's something that could have been expanded on pretty pretty healthily and pretty uh, pretty well. I agree. I agree completely. And it's funny because the relation or the uh, political leanings of him, his political ideologies that are explored throughout the movie. It's also it's funny because. We're shown that it's that it's you know her influencing his political beliefs a little bit, but mostly it seems more due to just his experience in the NSA. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. that's more more to that fact. And it's, I mean, yeah, that that's fine. That makes sense. That's 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 great. But it's just like I kind of just wish that there was more, just more meat to their relationship in in the movie. And I can talk a little bit more about it in spoilers a little bit, but there are scenes like in on their first date when she's taking photographs of him mm-hmm. and just like the, the poignancy of those, of those pictures and the way that it's um, juxtaposed by uh, the opening scene of him in the hotel room saying like, like not wanting his picture. Ta- he hasn't had his picture taken in years. Um, it's just like the juxtaposition of that with the first date is just really, that's really compelling. And I kind of wish that there was more about the emotional core of his relationship and how that how that functioned or how that um uh influenced his his decision making and everything a little a little bit more just like there's stuff there there's some really good stuff there but it's just i just wanted just a little bit more i agree i agree <laughs> I, I think some of the other interesting development we get from the character of Edward Snowden is through the other other relationships he has professionally mm-hmm. um most notably with uh reese fans mm-hmm. and uh um, uh, Nicholas Cage's character, mm-hmm. um, who are kind of older, more sage-like. Uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, father figures, proteges, father figures, not yeah. protege. Um, 
mentors mentors there you go <laughs> words um and and it's funny because they serve they serve two different roles you know Risa fans is the very um corbin was his character's name mm-hmm. um he he was the he was the pusher he was the ambitious guy who feels like i got into government because i like being powerful i like i like wielding power i like mm-hmm. um i support the state and it's like i i got into this because i i, I want to I don't, I never want to cede any kind of power. Like if, if someone wants to give me more power, I'm going to take it and I'm going to move forward with it. And we're going to do whatever we possibly can to, uh, to expand our influence around the world. And incidentally enough, Nicholas Cage's character is, is kind of the polar opposite of that. He's very jaded. He tried Mm -hmm. to do the right thing early on and it kind of, it kind of uh, led him down a darker path and he's, you know, he refers to himself as being tucked away in a little office in the basement of mm-hmm. uh, the training facility for the CIA. Um, and he just kind of works on old computers now. He doesn't really do much. Um, and it's, he he's very jaded and someone, you know, along the way he's realized that, you know, he, he joined and started working for the government to make a difference and, uh, make things better, make the world more free, whatever kind of ideology he had. But, mm-hmm. you know, once he gets in it, he finds out that it's, that's really not what government's about. It's, it's about what he describes in the movie. And I, I don't really want to spoil that. I think that was a pretty poignant moment of the movie. Um, and it's, it's just, I, I really appreciated both of those characters because I feel like that's what the government's full of. It's someone who's super ambitious and wants to get as high as he possibly can, or it's the guy who really wants to make a difference. And after 10 years, he realizes that that's never going to happen and he becomes very jaded. And I feel like a lot of government employees are like that. So I, I appreciated the realism of that and, and how it really influenced the main character because he, he really played both sides of that field for a while. Um, mm. and it, it led him to where he is now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's a uh, pretty, pretty bleak. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, his, his kind of colleagues in, in the movie, his, um, uh, there, there's that one guy, I was just looking for his name. Um, is it Gab- Gabriel? The, the guy, the, um, guy who shows him the, uh, technology that they're, that they're using at first. Yeah. The NSA guy. Yeah. 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 He, I thought was really, I thought he was really good. Um, yeah. Because he, there was a really interesting dynamic between him and and Snowden throughout the movie. Because he is depicted as such a somewhat likable guy, but he's like he is so uh, his um what's the word I'm looking for his conscience like he, his conscience doesn't like the things that he's doing is so second nature to him and so just you know, he has no conscious about it, Mm -hmm. but there's kind of a growth there that also is mostly off screen, but it's kind of, they have this kind of professional, um, friendship throughout, throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, that it's just, I I liked seeing the, the, the way that he and his colleagues interacted with one another. I I agree. Yeah. He was, um, his attitude, the, the, the nonchalance with which he Mm -hmm. hacked into someone's computer and watched them do something, behind mm-hmm. closed doors was was disturbing it's, yeah, yeah. just the way he was like he was like oh facebook's my bitch and he just totally logs onto some like gets into someone's facebook right. account and and finds out who their friends are mm-hmm. and oh this person's related to him and so we're going to look at this person now and it's 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 interesting how how quickly 
you can go from one person to the next and mm-hmm. make connections between someone who is entirely innocent and has never done mm-hmm. anything wrong in their life. And, you know, just make two or three connections and you're looking at Osama bin Laden. You know, it's, right. it's just, it's really, really fascinating. And, and the fact that it, Edward Snowden's character realizes that and realizes how, how untenable that is and how disturbing that is. But Gabriel is just like, Oh yeah, it's just what I do. Like, this is my job. Like, yeah, it's what I do. It, like, it's just, it's just something, it's just another piece of technology for him. It's not really, he doesn't understand the weight of it, I guess, or maybe he does, but it doesn't have any effect on him. Exactly. And, and I really like the way that the movie go, like there's, there's kind of a balance or, or there's, um, there's some care made to, uh, really not make it go too over the top in terms of in terms of the uh, the the it doesn't paint this in terms of like it being pure evil and and terrible. There's no like it's like you see you can kind of see the just uh, the justification for some of the things uh, about it. Um, I'm kind of stumbling here, but um, for instance, it's like they don't show it like okay, this is the most terrible thing that you can possibly do with this technology it's kind of grounded like i have no idea what um what things in it that they should of them showing uh spying using uh spying on you know citizens and all that i don't know to what extent like that is truthful to to what actually happened but i really like the way that the dramatization of it was played out because it's like our opening introduction of it is um gabriel and in Snowden watching watching a woman on a webcam uh get undressed and she is in a in a burqa and she's it's like that like you can you can show just just you know they could have shown just like a woman getting undressed and it being so like it could be so scuzzy and, and gross of them but to show this woman who is who's wearing like religious garb disrobe and like being seen like naked like completely naked um not on film but like having them watch her undress right it just adds such um such a big level like a such a, such an added uh scuzziness taboo. to it's it taboo taboo yeah it's another level of yeah, taboo yeah it's it's more disgusting that it's in in that scenario because it's so much more disrespectful and in um um what's the word like uh Invasive. Invasive. Yeah. Invasive. Yeah. I, I got it like right when you said it. <laughs> it's so much more invasive giving that scenario. And I like that they went that route instead of just showing like, oh, this woman is, is getting naked. It's like they went to the, the um, extent of showing her in religious garb getting um, taking off her clothes. It's just that adds so much more invasiveness without going over the top and showing like them just perving out on a bunch of people. Right. It's like... Um, kind of an opportunity knocks kind of situation that he was watching her. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And, um, and I really liked the way that there's at least one sequence where they show um, it's probably my favorite part of the movie where it's a visual representation of how the, how the surveillance works. It's that they can go, um, he, he's explaining to the filmmaker that they can go uh, look at, look at one person target one person, get access to everyone that he has, has been in contact with and then look into them and then get contacts for everyone that they've been into. So he, like the way that he phrases it is like after three jumps, you, you have access to 
like something like 2.5 million people. Right. And it's just like the visual representation of that with like kind of wires and, and, um, it's like kind of a static, uh, not static but like this, um, What's the word I'm looking like a like a fiber optic kind of fiber thing. optic yeah, yeah. great <laughs> like a fiber optic representation of it just going all over a map and everything just the visual representation of that just really brings home just how um, how surreal this scenario is um, and that's something I really appreciated about about the movie as well so in terms of them actually depicting the, the everything that's wrong with uh, what was going on and is going on, um, was, was really, they were really, uh, powerful imagery. It was, there was really powerful imagery, uh, played out throughout it. I agree. Yeah. They, uh, that scene you were describing too, that they use an analogy in it, a visual analogy that I won't spoil. I want people mm-hmm. to see it. I thought it was really, uh, pretty poignant. Um, and, and, and I agree. Like I, I said earlier, I think I think this movie is surprisingly visual. It, it has a very it has a very visceral feel to it because I think, again, Edward Snowden's kind of an internalized guy, and I feel mm-hmm. like he doesn't express a lot of things. Um, at least he didn't before. Um, and and so to to see, we kind of get some views inside his head where he's kind of thinking about things that have happened in his past that have led mm-hmm. him to this to this uh, scenario and this event in his life. Um, and we, we kind of see it. it. It reminded me a little bit of, uh, how Danny Boyle uses flashbacks. Yeah. Um, most notably in, uh, 127 hours, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you, it's, it's a way to see inside the character's head without having them just tell you what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, th- I feel like Oliver Stone tapped into that a little bit in this movie and I thought it worked really well. Again, given, given the nature of the character and his personality, I think it made a lot of sense. Um, and I, Really appreciated the movie for that. I was I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a lot of talking heads um, and a lot of simple camera angles and and whatnot. I wasn't expecting too much intricacy, but we got a little bit, and I think it mm-hmm. I think it worked to great effect. Um, there was another scene that, on paper, seems a little bit ridiculous. I thought it was <laughs> a little comic booky kind mm-hmm. of caricature animated. Um, there's a moment where Edward Snowden is confronted by his main mentor Risa fans and it's yeah. it's over like a it's over like a video conference mm-hmm. and again I don't want to spoil this but just the dynamic of it um it's it involves a very large screen mm-hmm. and it just seems comical in real life like why would that happen why would you have a screen that big why would someone video conference that way it seems a little goofy right. um and just the angles that are used for the camera but I I think it I think it was, I think it was an interesting choice. It was a big gamble, and I think it sort of worked. At least it worked for me. I'm sure some people thought mm-hmm. it was stupid, but I just thought it had a very uh, Orwellian 1984 mm-hmm. Big Brother's watching you kind of thing to it. And it's like our, it's like the main character was felt like he was experiencing what he's been doing to mm-hmm. others. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, I'm trying to tiptoe around it without spoiling sure. it. You really just need to see this scene to really comprehend what I'm trying to convey yeah. here. It's, it's, it, it was a very, a very surreal moment mm-hmm. for the main character, I think. And I think the way Oliver Stone chose to visually represent it was a really bold choice that mm-hmm. in my book, I think it worked. And, and I really, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. I, I will totally agree with you on that point and i will also agree that it is it's it's a little not necessarily comic booky but um <laughs> the comparison i draw is it felt like the kind of thing you would see in 
I don't, I don't know. Uh, like kind of a, like a Call of Duty cutaway scene. Yeah. <laughs> like the yeah. context of it, but I, I appreciated what they were doing. Um, the content of of that conversation and that scene, uh, really. That was that came at kind of a point where up until that moment, I I don't know if that was really the point of it. well yeah that point of it that was like right before that was where i was looking at my watch thinking like oh i have an hour left and then like when that scene happened i was like oh okay we're we're going into it we're we're in it now mm-hmm. um and i kind of that's where the pacing kind of picked up for me yeah um after the second half um in in the second half i should say but yeah i i really liked that and um let's see there was one other thing i wanted to bring up and and we can kind of start winding down a little bit okay but um, the the oh first of all, going back to your Danny Boyle comparison, uh, there was one part in particular that felt like I thought for a second like this feels like a Danny Boyle movie, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that might be what you were referring to. But um, it would have been sidetrack. It would have been amazing to see him make this movie. Uh, that's what, yeah, that would have been really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been kind of cool to see him in Sorkin, yeah, wow, Steve Jobs style. Yeah, but anyway. Um, man, I hope that they work together again. Me too. Um, not Steve, obviously not Steve Jobs, but um, <laughs> Danny Boyle and Aaron Sorkin. Oh my God. Um, any, anyway, I'm <laughs> sorry. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, so one thing that I really was kind of taken with, um, it, well, it took me a little bit to get warmed up to the music in the movie felt at times like they were, um, like, I was in the theater alone, so I'm allowed to do this. But like, I looked up at, at one point. I looked up on IMDb, like who who composed the music, because mm-hmm. I was so sure that it was um, Trent Reznor and Attic, uh, Atticus Ross. Um, but no, it's it's someone completely different. And I kind of felt like maybe they were kind of cribbing from the from the music that Trent Reznor's done. It was a uh, Craig Armstrong did the music for the movie. Okay, um, and it kind of felt like this. And maybe that's more. Um, Maybe that's more to do with it being just a techno or t- a technological type of movie um, or a movie that's so dependent on, you know, computers and things like that in tech, because that's kind of something that um, I associate uh, the work of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross with uh, their work, their scoring work, at least with um, the work in the social network. Mm-hmm. So seeing Snowden kind of doing like his little, you know, computer thingies. <laughs> made me think of the social network but anyway yeah i i really wish i would have make it made a better note of the music in the movie i picked it up on it a few times it had a very electric sound to yeah. it which i thought was uh, poignant and it made mm-hmm. sense um kind of electronic kind of yeah, yeah. I, I thought it made sense um but i, I wish i would have made better note of it um yeah yeah, but there was a moment kind of early, really early in the movie, one of the opening scenes where we get the, like the movie opens with a, just an introduction to Snowden in, in, in the hotel room with the, with the documentarians and the journalists. And, um, then we get our first flashback to 2004, um, where he is being, he's training in the special forces. And just like the, the way that's, the way that Oliver Stone shot that, that scene when we first get to the, flashback where it shows 2004 and it shows him uh them them marching or whatever just like the way that that shot's composed the way that the sun is kind of setting behind them and the music is kind of the music has this really patriotic sound to it that that at that moment like that's the last moment we kind of hear that type of 
sick um that i yeah. can remember but like i just I, that like really really pulled me in because because this is a story about a guy who loses so much faith in his government that he you know did what he did um some people consider it treason right exactly yeah um yeah so so and that's up for that's up to you to decide what right how you feel about it yep um but yeah, and and I think that uh, should that should we kind of wrap things up here? I think so. Yeah. What would you What would you give it like overall? Ooh, I would give yeah, it three seconds. Oh, oh, two. I'm kidding. I would. <laughs> I would give it probably seven point five. Um, I'm trying to think of a good scale to use. <laughs> Um, seven point five Rubik's cubes out of ten. Nice. Yeah. Um, you? you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a really solid, uh, eight, uh, classified documents <laughs> nice. out of ten. I mean, I, part of me, initially, I was like, that's like an eight point five nine to mm-hmm. me. That's how much I really enjoyed it, but kind of analyzing it over the last 24 hours and you know i i try to i want to like give it another good another rewatch mm-hmm. um before i commit to an 8.5 or 9 but it's it's a solid eight even even with a rewatch i think it'll i'll still feel that way um i i enjoyed it quite a bit and personally it i'm glad someone made this movie i'm glad someone made it well because i i'm very intrigued by the story and just not to get political at all, at all but I think Edward Stone's a hero. And so that's that's just how I feel about it personally. So I'm glad someone did it as well as they did. Um you know, and it's funny. I just put us on another watch list also. An- another, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it's funny because and and I feel like maybe we should have we shouldn't have started to wrap it up because How'd you feel about Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh, that's true. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't really talk anything about. Didn't talk about, about much about the any of their performances yeah. early. Um, I thought he was fantastic, mm-hmm. and, and you know, bias because I love him and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, I I think he has a lot of the time when I see him, I see, I just see Go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right. and I'm fine with that because he's so likable and he's he's a fun guy to watch. But I really saw Edward Snowden mm-hmm. when I when I watched this movie. I I saw the documentary, um, and and he really Joseph Gordon Levitt really nailed his his uh, his kind of speaking cadence and his his voice. It was a little bit low, like he clearly used that kind of a lower register, mm-hmm. um, which sticks out a little bit, I think. But I, I it just feels true to the actual Edward Snowden without being like a like a total imitation mm-hmm. or like trying to really just nail every single aspect of the guy. Um he didn't have any crazy makeup or goofy crap like that. Right. Um I I just felt like he he embodied the characteristics of Edward Snowden that were important. Um and I I he did a great job. I you know it's funny when I first saw the the first day that I saw the first trailer for Snowden uh was a day I just happened to rewatch 500 Days of Summer. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And so seeing that trailer and seeing the way that or hearing the way and I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but hearing the hearing the change in Joseph Gordon Levitt's voice that he did made me kind of worried, thinking like, Am I gonna be distracted by this voice the yeah. entire movie? Um but I mean seeing the movie within the first 10, 15 minutes, like I was just ra- just 
totally absorbed in his performance. Yeah. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just with the the way that, like, as you said, the, the lower register that he used for his voice and the tone, but also, like, like, you, like you said earlier, Snowden is this kind of shy, reserved guy. And he's kind of this, kind of this, um, kind of a quirky, a, a little bit quirky kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just like there was so much subtlety and nuance to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's performance in, in this movie that it just really elevated the story for me, uh, quite a bit. It made me really, um, uh, entranced by his, by his performance and really into the, the story. Um, even though I had some, some issues with it, um, or some, eh, some grievances with, with the way some things were handled, such as the relationship, most of all. But that, um, that performance was just outstanding because you felt, you felt the, uh, the reserve <laughs> or, or the, uh, you felt the, conflict with brewing inside of Snowden the entire movie. And I really appreciated that level of uh, nuance to his, to the performance. I agree. Yeah. And, and I, I recommend people go see the documentary citizen four, uh, to, to see what Edward Snowden is really like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's a very calculated guy. Um, and he, he speaks with purpose and he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of ums and, uh, Oh, mm-hmm. and, well, he doesn't do a lot of that. He he knows what he's going to say, and he's just he's an articulate, calculated person. And I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt embodied that really well. So he was awesome. He doesn't have any ums or dropped words or anything. So he's clearly not a host of the Obsessive Viewer podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he would crush on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. So overall, I would uh, before we kind of wrap up the review, I just want to ask, like, where does this land? for you tiny on like uh will this land on your top 10 list at the end of the year do you think without question oh nice it's top five right now very nice yeah but we got you know we got big season coming up so mm-hmm. we'll see but i would be shocked if it's not in my top 10 very cool how very about you cool. um it's kind of early to tell i i think that it might i would i would see it be like in the low in the low t- tens uh in the in the latter half of the tens maybe okay. Okay. it would be in my top 10 i think at this point cool but there's a lot still to come out right um yeah so we'll see mm-hmm. so um i think that'll about do it for our review of snowden um before we get going to a quick potpourri because we're going to be recording a bonus episode uh reviewing stranger things directly after this recording <laughs> I think you still good on that. Oh yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, but before we go to potpourri for that, wow. Before we go to potpourri, um, I threw out a question in the in the Facebook group, which you can find on Facebook.com. Just type in Obsessive Viewer um, Podcast and look for it under Groups. Um, I asked uh, tonight. We're recording our review of Snowden. Did you see Oliver Stone's latest film this weekend? And if so, what did you think? And we got two responses. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, first of all, Robert Feckus, frequent guest on the podcast, said, I thought it was a very good film outlining the importance of the surveillance debate. It's a shame not a lot of people saw it. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt killed it as Snowden. I do, though, want to know if the Rubik's Cube toss is really how he got the data through security. I'm curious about that myself. I'm very curious about that, too. And I kind of wish that they hadn't shown that in the trailer because it's it's fairly late in the movie. And, like... It's set up so well, like like you see the Rubik's cubes 
kind of throughout the movie. I kind of wish that they would have, you know, hid that from the marketing, but yeah, whatever. Agreed. Um, and then uh, the other comment was from Matt and Draco, the our our Patreon subscriber, which you can you can join him on Patreon by being a patron, a patron at. Uh, Patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. Mm-hmm. But he said, I almost never get to see movies on opening weekend. I'm still excited to see it though. So he hasn't actually seen it yet, but um not really knowing him too well, I I feel like I uh, I still feel comfortable saying like I feel like he would uh, I think he would appreciate this movie. I think so too. Yeah. Even though I, I don't know him that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He's a computer guy. Exactly. Yeah, he'd exactly. he like he'd like it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so okay, so we're going to uh, switch over to a quick potpourri, but before we do that, here's a promo for Shocktober and Irvington 3, which again is on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater. Short horror films, local filmmakers, DVDs, prizes, gift cards to Irvington businesses. Awesome. Go to Shocktober and Irvington for more information. Shocktoberandirvington.com. Tickets are on sale now for the third annual Shocktober in Irvington presented by the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Join the hosts of the Obsessive Viewer on October 14th, 2016 at the Irving Theater for a one-night event screening of short horror films, including the premiere screenings of J.P. Lex The Roman the latest entry in his cross-medium elsewhere world universe, as well as the latest slasher from Snapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies. All of this and so much more. Come celebrate the horror genre in the historic Irvington area and get a chance to meet the filmmakers with live interviews after each screening. You can also win DVDs, Blu-rays, and gift cards to Irvington businesses. Tickets are on sale now at shocktoberinirvington.com. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. And we will see you at the Irving Theater on October 14th. That is, if you dare. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and switch over to potpourri now. It's going to be a quick potpourri section. For our first-time listeners, potpourri is the section of the podcast where we kind of wind down the episode and talk about things we've watched, things we're looking forward to, things that uh, don't necessarily fit in with the main subject of each uh, podcast episode. So um, we each have one thing that we're going to bring up. And uh, Tiny, do you mind if I go first? Go for it. Okay, sweet. So uh, mine's going to be really brief, but... Um, so, long-time listeners will know that uh, Shocktober, as we so affectionately call it, um, the month of October, is a big month for us, at least for me and, and Mike, the, our co-host is on sabbatical. Um, Tiny, I know you're not too huge a fan of horror. Yeah. But uh, me and Mike are huge fans of the horror genre, so um, we're now at, at the time of this recording, we're closing in on October, Shocktober, as we call it. Um so obviously, you know, it's time to kind of get into the spirit, even though the weather here is unseasonably hot and not at all. Um, it's you know, not cooperating. It's not and autumn-y. It sucks. Yeah. I, I want it to be hoodie weather. But anyway. Yeah. So um, kind of in honor of, of Shocktober's fast approach, I've, I finally checked out um, this web series that's been going on for about a year and a half. It's called The Witching Season. You can find it at witchingseasonfilms.com. Um, it's this really, really incredibly well-produced, um, horror anthology where, um, 
where each episode is its own standalone standalone short film and it's about they run about 15 uh 10 to 15 uh, 10 to 17 minutes long there's three episodes available now there's um killer on the loose princess and not alone and each one has a specific theme specific uh feel to it uh killer on the loose is kind of a, a send up or um not a send up, but it's it's like a homage, homage to like this slasher film, uh, which which has a really it's really tense, it's really interesting, um, and has some interesting uh, turns in it as well. And then there is Princess, which is um, a really a really creepy, atmospheric, um, unsettling uh, haunted doll episode. Uh, short film and i've only seen those two i haven't seen not alone yet which is apparently a uh an alien invasion or alien uh type of horror short so the first two princess and killer on the loose are just really well done and i really i really love the way that that what they're doing is is so um so in keeping with what i love about the halloween season um so like so like I've been thinking about this lately. I, I'm a fan of the Halloween franchise, the movie franchise, the Halloween fr- franchise. We did a whole retrospective, um, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, um, on the podcast, um, which is actually surprisingly one of our highest downloaded episodes. Nice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we went through every movie of the horror of, of the Halloween franchise and, uh, it was two years ago. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, um, so, so yeah, so I'm a big fan of the Halloween franchise and we've talked a lot about Halloween 3 season of the witch, but one of the things about it that stick out to me, even though the movie is pretty terrible, is that it was conceived as, you know, they were going to make, um, John Carpenter's idea was that they were going to make a, a movie a year that was all, it was going to be an anthology series. Every movie was going to have something to do with Halloween. It's going to capture that atmosphere and they're going to, they were going to do that. Obviously, Season of the Witch, kind of, you know, after that came out, they just were like, nope, bring back Michael Myers right now, um, and we'll do we'll do that instead. But I feel like there's such a void. Like, that, that idea is so beautiful to me. Like, I really wish that there was this yearly um, Halloween-themed thing. Um, like, we got, we got a really great um, film that, that, that captured the spirit of the Halloween season in trick or treat, which is a DVD that you could potentially win at Shocktober and Irvington, just saying. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, trick or treat was perfect at that, but there's only one trick or treat. There's right. been rumors of, of a sequel, but what I s- so appreciate about the witching season is that that, what they're doing, the tone that they're striking in each of the short films, the level of production value that's put into like there's an insane amount of work clearly that goes into these short films, and you can really see it. Um, those things are just they're they're itching, they're they're scratching this itch that I've had for a while, and I'm I'm so I'm so on board with it. I I really love it. So um, yeah, so that you can find that at witchingseasonfilms.com. It's, it's really, it's really, um, really entertaining, uh, horror Halloween fair. Awesome. I, I would watch the crap out of whatever you're describing. Nice. <laughs> the whole, I, 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 cause it, it could be a TV show. It could be a movie. It could be a series mm-hmm. of movies. It could be anything. I, I agree with you. And I, I would watch the crap out of that. 
Nice. Yeah. And you can on YouTube. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna check them out. Sweet. Yep. Um yeah, so so that's my that's my potpourri. Tiny, uh why don't you round us out with what you got? Sure. Uh I wanted to talk to talk about uh the movie Imperium, which came out Oh n- did you um, see that? Recently, yeah. I, nice. I uh watched it on VOD. Mm-hmm. Um I was really excited for it. Um I I mean it's it's I was really excited because of Daniel Radcliffe in it, to be mm-hmm. honest. I, I wanted to see him tackle that kind of role. Um and and honestly I think uh Daniel Radcliffe is the best thing that could have happened to this movie. Really? Um yeah, it's it was it was a good movie. I, I wanted a really mm-hmm. a really dark, a really gritty undercover undercover law enforcement officer kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think I wanted something really gritty and just something that I wanted something kind of like uh, American history X, which is a very, right. a very gritty movie about white supremacists and, and uh, interesting characters and everything. I re- that's what I really wanted. And um, this movie tapped into that quite a bit, but I, I just wanted a little bit more from it. I, I feel like it had a little bit too much. It had a little bit of, gloss in areas where i wanted it to be gritty and mm-hmm. I, maybe those are very overused uh, adjectives in the film community right. um and, and they definitely are but that's the best way i can describe it um the movie is about a kind of uh reserved idealistic fbi agent played by daniel radcliffe who chooses to go undercover uh to investigate white supremacy groups in mm-hmm. the virginia maryland area um and it's it's based on a true story. I don't know much really anything about the true story. Um and the the what was most important to me about the movie is that Daniel Radcliffe crushes this role. Nice. Um because I've been a big fan of him forever because of Harry mm-hmm. Potter. Um and I, I always throughout that series, once it started to pick up, I think, um I always thought I can't wait to see what he does next because I think I think he learned a lot with that franchise and he impressed myself and a lot of other people and i was Mm. like i think this kid has tons of potential he could be really awesome um and thankfully he did a fantastic job in this movie i mean i there was i I did not see any harry potter i wasn't looking for any wands or anything throughout this movie he completely disappeared into the role um and he was really scary at times and really Mm -hmm. just a really intense character um i you know it's interesting to watch you're watching an actor play a role and mm-hmm. then the role he's playing is also playing another role because mm-hmm. he's undercover. Uh, it's, it was very fascinating to watch that process. And I just, I, I like that environment for a story an undercover agent. I think it's just a really cool thing. Um, Daniel Radcliffe was a standout. Tony Collette is also in there as mm-hmm. kind of a, a mentor character. Um, Sam Trammell, who's famous for true blood. Oh yeah. Um, is in the movie. Uh, he, I've never been a really big fan of his. Um, <laughs> not that he's bad. I just, I, I don't know. I wasn't over, I haven't been overly impressed with him ever. Uh, but I think in the first part of this movie, he did a really good job. I actually really bought his character. Um, and he was kind of a, kind of a unique character for this environment and this setting. Um, the only problem was his character goes through a transformation in the last like third of the movie. And I really didn't buy it very much from him. Oh yeah. I, I don't, I don't think he sold it very well. Um, but but I give him a lot of credit for what he did early on in the movie, and I, I think he, he did a pretty decent job. Um, when, 
when you say he goes through a transformation, oh, does he change into like a wolf or a dog or something? Like yeah, he, he does. Yeah, he turns into a yeah. wolf. That's what happens. That was just a little. That was just a little. Uh, a little nod to our to our True Blood fans <laughs> listening. I'm winking at my microphone. All right now. all none of you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nestor Carbonell was also in the movie. Uh, oh, I of, like him. Of fa- of lost fame. Yeah, yeah. it's cool to see him in something else. Um, it's it's a really cool movie. I I think it's. I think it's it's hinged and centered on the performance of the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't have a good performance, it wasn't going to be a good movie. And thankfully, Daniel Radcliffe nailed it. So it it it, it was a really satisfying movie, and it's 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 a really interesting exploration of of what it is to be an undercover agent and mm-hmm. uh, how how serious of a problem white supremacy groups are becoming again because of the shift and focus on terrorism is all on yeah. Islamic terrorism right now mm-hmm. and unfortunately as a result uh this is a this is a fact white supremacy groups are thriving right now yeah as a result of that because they're not being they're not being investigated and and checked by uh law enforcement like they used to be did you see and this is a slight tangent did you see that um like map of the US that had like just uh it had markers for all of the um hate groups operating in in the US and it was like uh-huh. it was it was unbelievable like yeah. the like i'm going to try to find it real quick i'll edit this out cuz it was really okay eye opening us hate group map <laughs> take that nsa <laughs> <laughs> us hate group map glad you didn't make that mistake <laughs> or autocorrect didn't screw you on that one yeah. <laughs> u.s hate group map united states uh here u.s hate group map map matt hurt um obsessive viewer podcast um, <laughs> yeah it's like it's just an image of it but it's like it's ridiculous obviously this isn't a visual medium but um i'll just i'll link it to you tiny but um it's it says this list of 892 active hate groups up from 784 uh listed a year before is based on information gathered by the intelligence project from hate group publications blah 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 um back to back to imperium um quick question for you i don't know if this is comparable at all i just know that you're a fan of this this other movie i'm about to bring up but in its depiction of white supremacy and 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 um depiction of hate groups how did it how did it compare to the depiction of that kind of thing in um, the believer, the Ryan Gosling movie that you were a big fan of? Oh, um, that wasn't a huge feature of the movie believer. That was more of a character driven movie, but um, it's, it's much more inclusive, which is a hilarious adjective. Uh, It's much more inclusive and much more detailed in Imperium. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it, it's, it sort of uh, details how, those groups don't always get along because it's it's all about a power struggle and mm-hmm. you know some people just they just want to be powerful and they just want to have followers not necessarily about the ideology of white supremacy um, and so there's a lot of infighting and it, it that's that's presented in this movie and I think to to pretty uh, pretty good effect um, I, I liked that about the movie it's it's much more it's much more detailed okay um, it's it's a good movie I I mean I, I'd give it uh, a seven. I mean, it's a good seven out of ten. I I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'll have to check that out. And I just I just sent you a link, Tiny, to that uh, hate map, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case anyone's interested in being super bummed out mm-hmm. about the U.S. Um, yep. So yeah. So I have the hiccups. So okay. Um, 
I think that'll about do it for this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. We are going to be um, uh, recording a bonus episode about Stranger Things just after this. But first, I just wanted to mention... Um, I need to uh, I need I need to get Mike to update the uh, outro on it because it doesn't mention mm. anthology. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just a quick plug, um, anthologypod.com. That's my solo side project podcast. It's a uh, exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age. I'm reviewing an episode of The Twilight Zone um, as a first time viewer, and also coupling those reviews with a review of a of a movie or show related to each episode of the twilight zone. So, um, review an episode of the twilight zone also review something that the writer of that episode or director or actor appeared in, um, that's somewhat related to the twilight zone. So science fiction, some genre piece from, of the time I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I just released the 22nd episode uh, of it. I'm really happy about it. And I'm also doing bonus reviews covering um, Black Mirror in the lead up to the third season coming out. So just a quick plug, go check that out. Anthologypod.com. Go like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod and, uh, you know, give me some feedback on it. So I'm, I'm excited to be in the swing of it with that. Nice. Yep. So um, having said all that, Tiny, I think we're done here. I think we are. All right. So we're going to go ahead and re- do this uh, Stranger Things review. And then I think next week we're, we're going to be doing detective movies yes super excited about that so look forward to that and uh thanks for listening and we'll see you next time thanks guys how did you see snowden uh i i was lucky enough to go see a matinee uh on monday which was nice because it's a lot cheaper Mm -hmm. um and interestingly enough there were people there um, there were probably like t- 10 or 12 people in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the youngest by 20 years. Really? Yeah, it was weird. It was just all huh. older people, which I guess during the day makes sense. Younger people mm-hmm. are in school. Most people are at sure. work. So the older <laughs> retired people went, go, went to see a movie on Monday afternoon. Um, hmm. So it was just kind of an interesting audience that way. Um, yeah, so I saw a matinee at 1 o'clock in the afternoon at a uh, local theater. Nothing. Nice. Pretty uneventful, really. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, just a little inside baseball for Indianapolis <laughs> listeners. Um, you went to Glendale, right? I did. Have you been going? You've been going to that because that's where nearest to you. It's where closest you to me. Yeah. Okay. How do you like that theater? Uh, it's pretty. It's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. what what depresses me about it is there's usually not very many people there. Oh yeah, uh, that there, depresses you about it. Yeah, because there's not not very many people go to it, and I'm afraid it's going to close oh, down. Gotcha. Um, you know, I, I can go on like a Saturday night. I went and saw X Men, I think, on a Saturday mm-hmm. night there. I don't know if it was opening weekend, but it was pretty new. Okay. Uh, and there were like 50 people in the theater, maybe. I want to say it would have been opening weekends because I think we reviewed it. That I week. think so, yeah. And I saw, so yeah, like I saw it, it, you know, it was a big release, big deal, mm-hmm. and there was only 50 people there. So, wow. I just, I, I fear for the longevity of that theater. That's. It, and it's funny, this can be a conversation, a much longer conversation, but I'm finding that to be kind of the case across the board. Like Trader's Point, the one I prefer, mm-hmm. um, they don't have late showings anymore. Like oh, really? their last showings are like seven or eight. Like wow. they don't have nine or 10 o'clock showings. And, uh, I'll go into my, my experience seeing this movie. So, um, I worked, I started a new shift where I'm working 10 to 6.30, which is great because I'm not a morning person, but horrible because I have no time to go and see a movie. Um, it's like, it's one of my favorite activities is to just go straight from work to the movie theater. 
um, because I don't have to wear a uniform anymore for my job, which is amazing. Um, Anyway, um, to go straight to the theater and then and see a movie. But now it's like I get off at 6.30, like either the show times are at like 7 and I don't have enough time or it's like 9.15. Right. So I had a chance to see. (laughs) I left work at 6.30. And uh, the first screening, uh, like the mo- the closest screening I can go to, was in uh, was just west of me at Shiloh Tiny, mm-hmm. and uh, so I go there, and it's uh, it's the screening is at six fifty, so I'm like, okay, I have twenty minutes to get there. I'm not going to make it in time. Count for you know probably an extra twenty minutes for trailers. So I figured, okay, well, I need to see this movie tonight because this was yesterday. Um, I need to see this to before you know recording. So, and the only other option is to go at 9.50. So, I go to the theater, I check in with MoviePass, walk into the theater, I'm thinking like, oh crap, you know, this is a two hour and 14 minute movie, I'm going to be kind of hungry. So, I'm in line behind someone and I figure, okay, I'll buy a box of M&Ms or something to hold me over until I get out of the movie. So, I'm going there, buy the the $4.60 small box of Mm M&Ms, and then I go back in line, at which time someone someone had come in and was behind me. So, it was me, him, one lady, and then two people at the register. After about three minutes, I realized that there's something wrong with the register. (laughs) So, I'm like, I'm cutting, like, this is, at this point, it's like 7.03, and the movie started at 6.50. I'm like crap okay so i went and i refunded the m&ms because i'm not gonna pay five dollars for a box of m&ms when i'm not even gonna get to see a movie and then i left called movie pass had them cancel the cancel the check-in so i could see it later that night and went and got dinner and everything so i ended up having to go back to that theater at 9 50 to see the movie and uh it's amazing to kind of bring it back to what you were saying about the theater and everything only I was the only person in the theater. Yeah, yeah, which is, makes sense because nine fifty on a Monday night. Right. Um, but it's also kind of neat because they're they're getting, they're in the process of upgrading their seats uh, uh, at the theater. Time. Yeah, they have some nice recliners that are in the lobby. Cool. So yeah, so it's so it's really cool. But um, oh crap, I had I had a funny a really funny joke. Hang on, I'm gonna bring it back. Hang on. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is so dumb. This might end up being the tag. But anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so while I was waiting in line, while I was realizing that there was a problem with the register that I was eating up so much time, like the guy who was working the register wasn't even doing anything. Like he was waiting around for like a manager to come. So I'm like, okay, wasting a lot of time. So like in the back of my head, I was like, um, you know, if I were if I were there to see the movie The Disappointments Room, which is currently uh, playing, uh-huh. I would have screamed like more like The Disappointments Lobby, and then left because movie <laughs> lobby. Yeah. Anyway, um <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jokes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so so anyway, so so I was the only one in the theater for the screening uh which I was I posted on uh the Facebook page. I checked in on the Obsessive Your Facebook page and I put I'm the only one here, just me and the NSA. <laughs> yeah. Um so it's kind of nice. I really like those experiences of being able to, you know, be alone in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also kind of cool because it got out at like twelve four twelve fourteen and like at like all the lights were out and everything. I was the last person there except for the last like worker, but mm-hmm. it was kind of kind of cool. But nice. anyway, um, so yeah, so that was my experience going to the theater to see this damn movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com 
And you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.